Hey guys, this is Ruthless Rudy Morales, and you're listening to episode 33 of Authentic Athletes. What is up, everyone, and welcome to Authentic Athletes. I'm your host, Greg Jones, and it is my job to provide you with a fun and meaningful conversation from your favorite athletes. And today, we talk with MMA fighter Rudy Ruthless Morales. And Rudy is the origin for the believe to believe mindset. It's a saying that has made its way through the MMA world up to the UFC, including recent guest Heather Joe Clark. And it's all about believing in yourself, but also being surrounded by friends and a team who believe in you. It all originated from Rudy's journey from Guatemala to the US, literally coming here with nothing, but believing he had what it takes to succeed. His story is incredible and he dives into many life lessons that he's learned along his MMA career. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Rudy Ruthless Morales. Rudy, thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, good morning, Greg. How's it going? Uh, good, man. Good, good. And it's it's a pleasure to have you on, Rudy. It really is. You know, we spoke with Heather Joe Clark um, about a, a couple of weeks ago, and she spoke in detail about what the believe to believe mindset means to her. And, you know, you're the source for that. You know, she put us in contact and she really wanted us to talk and, and discuss, you know, about how the believe to believe mindset was established and, you know, really your story because it's pretty incredible. And, you know, what you're doing in, in mixed martial arts now, you know, it's, you're a very talented athlete. And, so what I'd like to do is really, you know, start with the believe to believe mindset. You know, can you share how that came about and what it means to you? Man, like right now, you you putting me a little bit of emotional because you know, you know, I'm a big believer also on the law of attraction, and um, I never really imagined that the model, my model, believe to believe, was ever gonna make it to the UFC. Yeah, as as you know, or. For those people who are listening right now, I am also a professional MMA fighter, motivator, specialist, and also MMA promoter. So I do. I'm not just a fighter. I do it all. Yeah. And when I had the opportunity um, to share that with her, um, it's just basically, you know, how I, I live my life. And I realized that a lot of people, they have to face that, you know, they believe on themselves, but other people don't. You know, they have a dream. They want to be an artist. They want to be a ballet dancer or so on. But their family members or their relatives or teachers or anybody like that, they, they don't believe in them, correct? Right. So that's what most of the average individual they face. But what happens when you do surround yourself about uh, around positive individuals who do believe in the same goals and the same dream as you do? Then that's... Uh, it's two energies combined, and that's basically where the believe-to-believe mindset comes into play. That when if you believe in something and others around you also believe, then you know the the sky's the limit. Yeah, that's awesome. How long ago did you establish this mindset? You know, I was around maybe turning. I had just become an adult, so okay. I was like 19 years old. I'm almost gonna be 33 right now, so it's over a decade now. Oh wow. <laughs> In, in different various people and either in other athletes, you know, because I have a tattoo of it on my shoulder and other athletes have it on their stomach, on their forearms. So 
it's something that, you know, it's hit a lot of people. And, you know, in the MMA community, um, even before hashtags were known, then Rudy Morales was becoming, was getting known as the believe-to-believe guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And whenever they will face something that, you know, maybe they couldn't surpass or an adversity, then we'll say, you know what, let's just do like Rudy says, believe to believe. He believes in me, I believe in myself, so let's do it. And, you know, it's pretty interesting that the believe to believe mindset is in mixed martial arts and has such a predominant play in, in UFC. From the outside looking in, and I spoke with Heather and a couple of other UFC fighters about this, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like it's a one-man sport. But you have a whole team that is pushing you and believing in you to help you prepare for the fight and on fight day. But what I've learned even more, what I've found out even more is other fighters are also helping you out. You know, you're helping Heather out. You know, Uriah Faber is helping Brian Stan out. You know, there's there's a lot of fighters that help each other out. But when they get into the octagon, you know, obviously it's, you know, that's the sport and that's what you guys do. So you got to go in there and give it your all because you want to come out victorious. But it's really interesting that that has played such a great role within the UFC community and the MMA community. Well, absolutely. I mean, the thing is that, yes, we, you know, the ego or, or, you know, cockiness of some fighters say, well, you know, I don't need anybody. I'm the one going in the side of the cage and I do it all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in one way or another, I believe that that's BS because, you know, it takes your teammates, takes the guidance of your coaches to push you to, to kind of guide you, you know, day in and day out in training in order for you to achieve that dream, right. you know, a champion didn't just become a champion just by itself. He became, you know, with the, with the help of um, the teammates who, you know, donated their time, invested their time into that individual, you know, they took the, the, the kicks to the head, the punches to the body, the leg kicks or the takedowns, you know, the throws. So it, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into that, you know, yeah. and I believe that any human being in this world has a purpose. And my purpose has been to kind of like spread the belief to believe mindset throughout the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm very happy. You know, I feel very accomplished that in one way or another I was able to get to the UFC. And now thousands of people, you know, throughout the world, they're, they're learning about it and they're utilizing it in their daily lives. Yeah. So, you know, I had the opportunity to speak to Mike Dolce about it and, you know, he was amazed by it. So... You know, there's various people in the UFC now who has adopted that the same type of mentality. Yeah, well, you're doing a great job spreading it. It's had its feel for a lot of athletes that I've spoken with, and, and Heather was was one of them for sure. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rudy, but you were on your own at a very young age, around 15. Correct, absolutely. So how did you, you know, keep a mature attitude when you were that young, but you were having to make grown-up decisions? You know what? To be honest with you, I thought I was a ninja. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good mindset to have. <laughs> I had no other choice to, to make myself believe that I was a ruthless ninja when I was on the street. That's awesome. You know, I, I believe that everything begins and ends with a, with a thought in your mind. And ever since I was a kid, they taught me that. And, you know, I had to utilize it in very um, not so, you know, good places in my life you know yeah. but yeah I was 15 years old things didn't really quite work out with my mother as they should you know I was forced to to live on the streets and in a foreign country speaking a language that you know at that time I didn't really speak English yeah. I could understand hi hello I'm hungry but that was about it 
and it was tough, you know, in a rough area in LA. So not being accepted by the Mexican Americans, you know, which I love the Mexican brothers now, but back then they didn't really <laughs> like me so much because I was from Guatemala. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the Chicano community were, were not so pleasant of us, you know, so that's just the reality. That's the truth of my story. Yeah. Wow. And you know, that's, those, those are things that not a lot of people know. It, it kind of created more of a character in me, you know? And, you know, sometimes when you're young, you know, you tend to, make um, dumb decisions, but what I'm proud of is that, you know, I, I, I kept myself straight. Now I'm doing what I love, you know, I'm doing my passion, um, I'm sharing the knowledge and trying to push those, um, you know, to practice a sport or any sport for that matter, just to better themselves. But um, yeah, those times on the streets were rough, man. Like, you know, the way, the best way to describe it is like, when you see blood in, blood out in the movies, I was just like, oh, this is the real deal. It's not a movie anymore. <laughs> Wow, man, that's, that's incredible, you know, and, and it's kudos to you for being able to keep that, you know, positive mentality and get into sports and not get into, you know, the violence or any type of gangs, you know, especially in LA back 10, 15 years ago. Um, but obviously, you struggled, you know, with physically, like you said, with, you know, hey, I'm hungry, or, you know, I was living on the street, so I didn't have any place to go. What did you struggle with mentally during that time? The fact that I couldn't comprehend why would my family members, you know, put me through that. Mm -hmm. You know, I put all the blame on them. And as I grew up, I, I started to think, well, you know what? I could have done different. I could have done this. I could have done that. But in reality, no one has control over nobody. You know, maybe it's cause and effect. You know, people make decisions and based on those decisions, um, then, you know, there's going to be consequences. So now, in the now and the today, you know, I forgive them. Mm -hmm. And just as, you know, anybody would expect to be forgiven for any mistakes that people make. And now I understand that it's just life. But life moves on. And due to that, you know, I made incredible people in the sport, in my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm making a difference in this world. Who knows, you know, this, you, you never know. This is the way I look at uh, life. I mean, I tell people, it's not that I'm a pessimist. But, um... Who knows, after this interview, then it could be my last day on earth, and at least I was able to share these words with you and then, you know, be gone in peace. When did you get into mixed martial arts, and when did, at what age did that help you understand, you know, hey, I need to get off the streets, you know, get off of that track and get into MMA and in the UFC? You know what, um, I started martial arts when I was eight, but I started liking martial arts when I was five. But my grandfather only gave me the opportunity to start training when I was eight because he believed that I was a little bit older. But then when I started mixed martial arts, then I think I was a little bit over about 18 and, and you know, 18 years old. And then on 22 is around that area, that age is when I first, I did my first smoker or amateur smoker fight. What is smoker? Basically with shin guards and hip gear. Oh, okay, okay. Um, both with MMA gloves, yeah, so not full on. I wanted to prove to myself, you know, that that was going to be the ultimate test as a martial artist. But also, you know, so at the beginning, at the very beginning of my of my career, it didn't start it because I wanted to be a UFC champion. I would be a hypocrite if that was the case. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to prove that my art was good and, you know, that I was, that whatever I learned throughout the years, that it worked. But then, sure enough, I knew that karate wasn't enough <laughs> because... <laughs> When I first did the jiu-jitsu class with this 14-year-old national champion, 
he showed me that there was way more to you know mixed martial arts than what I or that I was thinking at that time. And um, that's how I started, and I pretty much trained for about a year for my first fight. Went on to my first fight, and in the first round, a minute and 40 seconds, if I'm not mistaken, the guy threw an overhand right with an open hand, hit me on the left side of my head, and ruptured and blew up my eardrum. Oh, wow. So that was my first experience for my first MMA fight. (laughs) The guy didn't touch me not even once throughout the whole round, but he throws one loopy punch and he catches me. <laughs> and it busts your eardrum. Wow. Yeah. So it took me about a year to recover mentally. And uh, about a month into training, back getting ready for my second amateur MMA fight, guess what happens? I decide to go rock climbing with this crazy Guatemalan friend of mine. <laughs> and he thought he was a parkour champion. Oh, no. <laughs> and we go up a cliff and he's like, jump. He's like, jump. You know, and he said it with that thick accent, like, jump. Yeah. <laughs> and my dumb ass is like, you know what? I could do it. He's like, if you scared, don't do it. I was like, me? Ruthless Rudy Morales scared? F no that. Way. Yeah. Here I go. <laughs> yeah, and I jumped. And guess what? When I landed, after he said jump, I could hear, like, dumb ass. Like, I hear somebody, like a like a fiction like, voice, what? you yeah. know, from the back of my head, like, dumb ass. Or something, you know, like, kind of fading away, you know? And when I landed, you just hear my foot crack. And I was just like, oh, man, so fracture in two places. Bummer. Now, we are on Red Rock here in Vegas, like way, way at the top. Now I'm thinking, first of all, right at the moment, Greg, I'm not even thinking, oh, my foot's broken. No, I'm thinking, how am I going to get down now? So I'm over here thinking on my head, like, oh, they're going to have to send a helicopter. How are they going to get me? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I told myself, I tied up my shoe and I said, you know what? This snap fracture is just a sprain. I'm going to get through it. And I start recording. So I still have the recording. Oh, you do? <laughs> I start recording with my camera. I had a, a camera, just a regular camera that takes, you know, pictures and video. Yeah. And I start recording and I said, you know, at this moment, I don't know if my foot is fractured, but here we go. And I started putting all my pressure on the ball, on the, on the heel of my foot and I started coming down. Now, God forbid, Greg, I was able to come down, but then after that, my friend had to carry me all the way to the street, <laughs> and my foot was fractured. Bum, now, man. I went home after that. I iced my foot, wrapped it, and I still went to work the next day as a food server for a whole full shift. Till almost at the end of the shift, I asked one of my managers, I said, would you mind taking a look at my foot? I take out my shoe. And my foot was completely purple and black. Yeah, was it not double the size of your other foot? Yeah, so that's just, you know, how tolerant I became to pain. So, you know, that's why in one way or another I became an exciting fighter because, you know, I will be able to stand and bang so people know like, well, if we can put them away, then we just got to take them down and hold them down. So that's, that's been kind of like my, my Achilles, um, what do you call it? My Achilles your what? Achilles heel, I'm yeah. forgetting my word. <laughs> Yeah, he always just, you know, you know, wrestlers be like, you know what, we can't finish him. We can't really submit him, so let's just take him down, lay on him, and that's it. Oh, wow, man. So, yeah. so that's a little bit of how, how my, my whole career started. So Now, if you really want me to get into more details, can you imagine? I, you know, I, I go ahead and do that, and then, you know, I'm like, man, like, the, whole, the only reason one way or another why I wanted to do another fight is because my son at that time, I remember for Christmas, little Rudy um, 
he was talking, oh, my dad went to fight. My dad went like this. The guy went like that. And my dad just collapsed. <laughs> I was like, there's no way in hell I'm never going to do an MMA fight. I'm going to wait 20 years later in the future. And my son, a grown-ass man, is talking with his buddies and mentioning, oh, yeah, my dad used to fight, but he only did one fight and he got TKO. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. So that's I mean, that's that gives you some motivation for your next fight, but it also like you said, helps with your pain tolerance with a busted yeah. eardrum and also a broken foot. But your yeah. ability to just go through that pain has probably helped you with your career. And it, yeah. it, I guess, it, yeah, I mean, is there anything in particular that that you struggled with, you know, after those two fights moving your way through MMA? Well, other than... I mean, it just, I lost it all. I even lost my family at that point, to be honest with you. Because I lost, I lost, my, I lost my job. So chasing whatever, you know, dream or passion or whatever it was at that time, you know, I lost my job. So, you know, that caused issues within the family, you know. Gotcha. And, you know, then, then um, that those, those three months that it took me to rehab and everything to heal, were very, very amazing, you know, because um, I, I dedicated myself and I said, you know what, now I want to do this. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I got, a, I became obsessed with it and I learned everything about it. And, and I guess one of that's one of the reasons why when I did actually manage to do my second amateur fight, right, I had over 20 sponsors on my banner and shorts because I took the time to kind of see what it will take to actually be an elite athlete and a professional. What were professionals doing? Because so everybody at that time, all they were doing is that they thought that they could only have sponsors if they were a professional fighter. Gotcha. But I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I'm fighting in a promotion where it's televised. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? That's still exposure. So I started changing my mindset. And um, I always had that type of mentality as, you know, I guess a promoter is because my grandfather used to be a professional singer. Mm -hmm. So he always had to promote, engage with people. So I guess I grew up like that. Nice. And that's, it made a change. It just changed everything. And little by little, I don't know if I'm jumping, you know, from the, the questions that you have for me. No, that's okay. It became for me, two weeks after I was able to walk, I took my second fight with really no training. Wow. Not having a clue how to cut weight, you can imagine on those on, the, on that time of me being in crunches, I gained some weight. Yeah. But after two weeks of me being able to walk, I took my second fight. I said yes to take my second amateur fight. You have no idea the yeah yeah the insanity of things that I had to do. Wow. And because of that, because it was my right foot, I became really good as a softball. Yes, right. And because of my karate background, yeah, yeah, it's a true story. True story. It became really good to be be a softball, and I I found out that I was a better kicker with my left leg. So, you know, it was it was crazy. And I fought a, a purple belt jiu-jitsu guy, a very stocky Hawaiian guy, um, and yeah, I gave him hell, and you know, I won the decision, and that was it. You know, that was the beginning of ruthless Rudy Morales. Golly, talk about adversity and just really having that no quit believe to believe mindset, man, that's, that's unbelievable. You know, that's, that's really awesome. Especially after two weeks after you getting off crutches and you finding out that you're actually better as a South, yeah. you know, it's, you know, everything happens for a reason. That's, that's amazing. Um, and you know, you spoke a little bit about 
how to gain sponsors, um, you know, for your team. And when you're building out your MMA team and your trainers, is there any specific characteristics that you look for? You know what? Um, at the beginning, then I used to think, let me see who's the best of the best. Who's the best boxing coach? Who's the best wrestling coach? Who's this? Who's that? And now, to be honest with you, if I know that they're already professional in their craft, even though if they're not the best to the media, mm-hmm. but if their their spirit, you know, their their energy, their are, if you want to call it, if if it's in the same belief mindset as as mine, then that's who I want in my corner. And that's basically what I what I do now, you know, because I see that all these people are like, oh, I want this coach in my corner because he's the best in this and he's the best at that. But you know what? To be honest with you, after watching so many fights and cornering so many different people, sometimes fighters, I mean, it's very difficult for them to 100% do what the coaches are telling them to do. Yeah. They might do it at the beginning of the round, but you need somebody there that you feel comfortable and that they actually make you snap. Because if you're, especially if you're getting your ass beat and you're losing the fight, you don't want anybody who's just going to be mad at you between rounds. You want somebody who wants, who's going to encourage you, yeah. who's going to bring you back up to the, the, the conscious level of mind where you feel invincible and you know that you're ready to do whatever task that is in front of you. Someone who believes in you. What have you learned from you know building at your team and fighting in, in Bellator and MMA that you apply outside the octagon you know, in your normal, in your everyday life? That it's, it's amazing to be the underdog. Yeah. And, you know, I've applied something called the, the 10x rule. I don't know if you ever heard of it. No, I haven't. Just to, to basically do aim 10 times higher than what your initial goal was. Yeah. So that way, even if you fall short, then you will still be doing way better than what you thought you could do. Yeah. Sometimes we just get too comfortable and we get, you know, sometimes we, we tend to have laziness. And I believe, you know, this is Rudy's belief that everything we know in this world, somebody gave us the meaning. So now at 32 years old, I'm trying to stop giving the meaning that I was giving to everything and find exactly what everything else means to me. What does really success mean to me? What um, does, you know, winning a fight mean to me? Because, yeah, you win a fight, you win a title. I met champions that they became world champions and the next day they feel depressed. Yeah. You know, because they depended on just that one day, that one materialistic stuff. And then what? Now what? You accomplished that? Now what? What do you do? But when you start knowing, you know, exactly what your purpose is and you build a movement like the Believe to Believe movement that I call it now, it's amazing because you know that every day there's people who are alive and they're breathing and then one way or another, they're thinking similar to the way you live your life. Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing. You know, when I go train with people and I share that with them, it changes them. It touches them. And they see it because you... You might hear other people believe to achieve and all this other, you know, motivational stuff. And they're all great. You know, if they work for you, you got to do what's best for you, what really works for you. You know, instead of, you know, somebody claiming that this is the way or this or that. No, you know, I I don't really believe on that. Yeah. And I think that goes back to, you know, building out your team, right? You want someone who knows the type of fighter that you are. You know, you may have a coach that is the best coach in the world, but the way that he's coaching may not be the same way that you should be taught, you know, because you're a different fighter than what he's used to, to coaching. So um, that's some really good advice and, and some good feedback. So Rudy, knowing what you know now, 
what advice would you give yourself when you first started fighting MMA? Stick to the basics. You know, that's funny. There's someone else said the same thing. I forget who it was, but they were like the foundation, you know, the fundamentals, you know, stick to the yeah, basics. Stick to the basics. Here, here's the thing, you know, coming from the streets and having the rough teenage years and everything, I wanted to go too fast. Mm -hmm. And if you look at my career, I went too fast. I fought in a big organization, three fights, you know, three, two or three pro fights in. Sometimes it's, it's too steep of a gradient, you know. Sometimes you got to, like, take your time. You know, it's like once, you know, one, one time somebody taught me that if you're a mechanic and you haven't really been certified to fix Toyotas and you just want to rush, you know, because you already want to be certified, blah, blah, blah. But then you have a, the opportunity of your life to work up for a Mercedes-Benz, you know, um, auto shop, you're going to blow it. Yeah. Because you really take the time to, to, to learn. And now you're going to break your head and you're going to hit your head and you're going to be like, why, 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 why? because you were just going too fast. So now I come to realization, I was like, stick to the basics. You know, right now I'm in, uh, in the process of, you know, partnering up somebody and hopefully, you know, opening up my own gym. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, I also have my own team. It's called Ruthless Fighting Team. Yeah. And I created that literally teaching people in the backyard, you know. And it's just because I knew people who were related to, you know, they were ex-gang members, drug addicts, and they needed an outlet. And they were like, Ruthless, help us out but they wanted to belong to somebody. This is what people don't understand. One of the reasons why most teenagers, they belong to gangs and anything like that is because they want to feel loved. You know, they don't have really family. They want to belong to something. Yeah. And they want to belong to something that they could feel proud of mentioning. I'm part of this group. So I created a ruthless fighting team so that way they could represent with pride. And a lot of people judge me because it's like, why are you giving these nobodies an opportunity to do sport or to even to fight? Well, the way I see it is because even if they're not the best fighters, you know, they've changed their life. They're now spending time training, and they're going after some. They may never even fight in the UFC or Bellator or any Combate Americas, any other organization. But it's, it's giving them an opportunity to direct the energy to do something a little bit more positive. Yeah. You know? Now, hopefully at the end of our conversation, thing I could tell you, the true mixed feelings that I have now with MMA as I've aged and I've gotten older, uh -huh. you know, um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm part of a study uh, about concussions from the Cleveland Clinic here in Vegas. Okay. No, I'm not. Yeah. And I've been part of it for five, for five years and they track, you know, for multiple, you know, professional fighters, you know, the differences that you do on reaction and your brain and all that stuff. Uh -huh. And it has taught me that this is a, this definitely MMA is a ruthless sport. It's a, it's a sport that knows no race, no age. And, you know, you can see it. I mean, you look at all the old school fighters. They could barely talk. Yeah. They could barely speak. <laughs> so, I, laugh because I mean, that it's is the true. truth. I mean, not to mock anybody, but it's the, it's the truth. Guys. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. Is, it's the truth that's really morale is being real and being ruthless. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm thinking, okay, if you put it in a, in a you know, in, in leverage or however you want to address it, what's better for somebody to become a criminal or to become an MMA fighter? Yeah. I would choose to become an MMA Absolutely, fighter. Yeah. Now, do I think 100% is the most healthiest sport right now on earth? No, that's, that's, that's the truth. But it's a sacrifice that we, we as modern gladiators, we make.
and it's a decision that we all make. Right. And everybody's got their own reasons, whether it's fame, money, wealth, um, you know, everybody's got their own reasons. You know, for me, I became the first Guatemalan in history in MMA, and no one is ever going to take that <clears throat> to fight in Bellator, you know, from Guatemalan descendancy. Yeah. So, you know, that's why besides Ruthless, I'm known as the Mayan warrior back home. So. Nice. And that's pretty cool. You know? So imagine this, this young kid that lived in the streets in a foreign country, became a professional MMA fighter, but not only becoming, an, you know, all, all that adversity, I become one of the, the the very first out of 16 million Guatemalans to do what I do. Yeah. So, you know, that's another added bonus to it, to all the sacrifice. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome, Rudy. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sorry if I'm getting a little bit emotional, but it's like, it's like uh, a loving hate, you know, because I've made a lot of, a lot of sacrifices, but um, I've been able to, to help a lot of people with the, uh, Believe, believe to believe mentality, and and I really hope that it's something that continues to grow and um, and express, you know, internationally. No, Rudy, thank you so much for sharing that, and I hope that someone listens to this and it changes their life or it changes their mentality because of your message and, and what you're saying and and knowing what your background was and how you, you know, came to the states and made it to you know MMA and made it to Bellator. So it's. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And I would like to wrap up, um, but I have one final question that I'd like to ask everybody on the show. What's your favorite memory of fighting MMA? My favorite memory of fighting MMA? Correct. Man, you got me on that yeah. one. Because <laughs> I think I could tell you what's my favorite memory of MMA. The first time I watched the Axe Murderer Vandalay Silva fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first, the very first time that I seen him fight, uh, that was that was crazy. In in uh, person or on TV? Um, I forgot where I watched him, but it was just like wow, that's that's, that's the type of style I like. That's awesome. <laughs> so if you ask me who was my favorite fighter of all time, that that will be Vandale him. Silva. That's awesome, well, Rudy. Thank you again, man. Thank you for sharing, you know, your background and the message that you have. Um, you know, I really do hope that it resonates with somebody listening because. It's truly remarkable and and everything that you've accomplished so far. And I do wish you the best of luck in the future. Uh, Success. And for everybody listening, you know, just remember that. Surround yourselves with with those, you know, that actually believe in you. Because imagine, you know, if if you believe in yourself and those around you also believe, then that's the belief-to-believe mentality. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Rudy Morales. Now it's your turn to take that believe-to-believe mindset and apply it in your life. Before you go, please take a second and share authentic athletes with a fellow sports fan. We want to keep growing in an organic way, and we need your help to do so. All the links can be found on the website, AuthenticAthletesTheShow.com. Again, it's AuthenticAthletesTheShow.com. Thank you again for listening, and have a wonderful day.